What was your spiritual awakening? What spiritual experiences have you had? Welcome to episode 296 of The Recovery Show. This episode is brought to you by Catherine, Patricia, Hannah, and Lucretia. They use the donation button on our website. Thank you, Catherine, Patricia, Hannah, and Lucretia for your generous contributions. This episode is for you. We are friends and family members of alcoholics and addicts who have found a path to serenity and happiness. We who live or have lived with the seemingly hopeless problem of addiction understand as perhaps few others can. So much depends on our own attitudes, and we believe that changed attitudes can aid recovery. Before we begin, we would like to state that in this show, we represent ourselves rather than any 12-step program. During this show, we will share our own experiences. The opinions expressed here are strictly those of the person who gave them. Take what you like and leave the rest. We hope that you will find something in our sharing that speaks to your life. My name is Spencer, and I'm your host today. So as I recall, a listener wrote in a while back and suggested the topic of spiritual awakening or spiritual experience, and I asked you to contribute your own awakenings or experiences, and several of you did. I'm going to start, where does this phrase, spiritual awakening, come from? Well, it's in step 12 which begins having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps. And we sort of wonder, well, what is this thing, spiritual awakening? Here's a little bit of the step 12 reading from our book, How Al-Anon Works. It's the first paragraph of that section. This step implies that by working all of the steps, we will undergo a spiritual awakening. Although a spiritual awakening is a highly personal experience, many of us define it as a kind of transformation a radical change in perception that occurs as a result of our taking the steps. Sometimes a spiritual awakening happens abruptly, in a flash of insight or the instantaneous removal of an obsession, and the whole world suddenly looks new. More commonly, though, we experience a gradual awakening of the spirit, a gentle metamorphosis in the way we see ourselves and others, a slow and subtle unfolding of our own inner beauty. Some of us actually feel reborn, hopeful, free of the fears and burdens that had previously prevented us from truly living. Thus, though our circumstances may not have changed, our lives improved dramatically because we perceived them in a new and clearer way. You know, that was my experience, certainly, that I did not have a a moment of insight, uh, uh, as it's sometimes called, a white light experience. And I wanted to read also from Alcoholics Anonymous, Big book. This is from Appendix 2, titled Spiritual Experience, on page 569 in the third edition, page 567 in the fourth edition. The terms spiritual experience and spiritual awakening are used many times in this book, which, upon careful reading, shows that the personality change sufficient to bring about recovery has manifested itself among us in many different forms. Yet it is true that our first printing gave many readers the impression that these personality changes or religious experiences must be in the nature of sudden and spectacular upheavals. Happily for everyone, this conclusion is erroneous. In the first few chapters, a number of sudden revolutionary changes are described. Though it was not our intention to create such an impression, many alcoholics have nevertheless concluded that in order to recover they must acquire an immediate and overwhelming God-consciousness followed at once by vast change in feeling and outlook. Among our rapidly growing membership of thousands of alcoholics, such transformations, though frequent, are by no means the rule. Most of our experiences are what the psychologist William James called the educational variety, because they develop slowly over a period of time. 
Quite often, friends of the newcomer are aware of the difference long before he is himself. He finally realizes that he has undergone a profound alteration in his reaction to life, that such a change could hardly have been brought about by him alone. What often takes place in a few months could seldom have been accomplished by years of self-discipline. With few exceptions, our members find that they have tapped an unsuspected inner resource which they presently identify with their own conception of a power greater than themselves. Most of us think that this awareness of a power greater than ourselves is the essence of spiritual experience. I like that reading because it helps me to understand that spiritual experience doesn't have to be something flashy. It doesn't have to be something big. You know, this last sentence, this awareness of a power greater than ourselves is the essence of spiritual experience, really, really says it to me. So is there a difference between spiritual experience and spiritual awakening? And in the words of that reading from the big book, really not much. You know, if I compare awareness of a power greater than ourselves to the Al-Anon reading here, we experience a gradual awakening of the spirit, a gentle metamorphosis in the way we see ourselves and others, free of the fears and burdens that had previously prevented us from, from truly living. There's a little bit of a difference there, but I think it's just describing sort of different ways of looking at it. One is one is about how, the, I think that the, the Al-Anon reading is more about, you know, how this awakening or experience changes the way in which we live. And the reading from the AA book is more about what's inside. And I remember thinking about awakening. And if if I just think about awakening, not without the word spiritual, there are different ways in which I awaken. Sometimes I wake up very suddenly, and I'm awake, and I'm up, and I'm doing. And sometimes it's very gradual, and I'm really not sure where the transition happened between sleep and awake. And I think both of those, both I mean, I think, I know, both of those are, are different kinds of awakenings. One more reading here, and this one really struck me. And help me to, uh, I don't know, deepen a little bit my understanding of a spiritual awakening. It is said that soon after his enlightenment, the Buddha passed a man on the road who was struck by the Buddha's extraordinary radiance and peaceful presence. The man stopped and asked, My friend, what are you? Are you a celestial being or a god? No, said the Buddha. Well then, are you some kind of magician or wizard? Again, the Buddha answered, No. Are you a man? No. Well, my friend, then, what are you? The Buddha replied, I am awake. And I'm not convinced that I completely understand that, which I gather is part of the essence of Buddhist teaching, is to not completely understand it, that you can always go deeper. But this notion that simply being awake, fully awake, fully present, is in itself a miraculous transformation, struck me, and and I still Really love it. Well, I asked you to describe a spiritual awakening or, or experience, and I thought I'd, I'd start with mine and finish with yours. First came in working step 12. The first time was working, as I've said, of working with a, a small group. And we had gotten to step 12, and we were answering the questions out of our book, Paths to Recovery. And the first question for step 12 is, have you had a spiritual awakening? Describe it. And I looked at that question and I said, um, 
aren't I supposed to come to some understanding through working these questions? But here it is, like, right up front. Have I had a spiritual awakening? So I paused, and I just looked back over the previous couple of years, from before Al-Anon to now, beginning my study of Step 12. And I realized that, in fact, as this reading from How Al-Anon Works says, that my circumstances really had not changed, but my life, my life had improved dramatically. And all that came from a different understanding of how I was to live, a different way of being in the world, free of fears and burdens that had previously prevented us from truly living. Well, I still had fears. I had fear that, that my loved one would never find sobriety she would die of this disease. I had fear of the seemingly crushing debt that we had accumulated through the years of drinking and not paying close enough attention to what we were spending. But I also had serenity and peace. I knew that if I opened myself up to a power greater than myself, I would find guidance. And that with these, I could find gratitude for things. I could find Contentment and even happiness, even though the alcoholic was still drinking, to paraphrase the words from our opening. That was a true spiritual awakening, but I had not seen it happening. There had been moments, the day when I realized that I had had serenity all day, or maybe that was what serenity was, when, and I think this was not like a sudden recognition, but when I realized that I wasn't exploding in rage all the time. You know, there were moments of, of clarity through there, but I really hadn't seen the change happening. And it, it took that question at the beginning of the questions for step 12, took that question to look back and say, yeah, wow, I, I did wake up some. I am more awake. I have had a spiritual awakening. I have an awareness of higher power working in my life, as the reading from the AA book says, wow, awake. Over the years, there have been moments when I felt an intense presence of a higher power. I'll talk about one of those, I think. It was a Mother's Day. I might have talked about this on the podcast because it happened after the podcast started, but it was several years ago. I think it was 2013. It was Mother's Day. I was visiting or maybe 2012. That might have been before the podcast started. Not sure. I was visiting my parents and my daughter who was at college in the city where they lived. And we went to church. And there was a guest preacher that morning. And she preached a sermon on universal unconditional love. It was centered on a story. The story Franny and Zoe by the author J.D. Salinger, which she described as the ultimate love story. I had never read this story, but as she, as she spoke, as she talked, as she came to the, the high point of the sermon, describing where the, the, the character in the story talks about effectively living out of love, not the exact words they use, I just felt this all-encompassing love 
of and from the universe. It changed the way I thought about, it changed the way I conceive of a higher power, that experience of love that, that my higher power may not be love, but my higher power embodies love. Even now, years later, thinking back, I can still feel that, that moment. If I look further back in my life, there have been times when I have sought some sort of connection with something larger than myself. I would feel this sitting on a mountain or most intensely in my memory at a time, a low time in my life. My first wife had moved, just moved out of state across the country and it was clear that our marriage was over. I was in grad school and this happened. My memory says this happened right before spring break. I don't know for sure, but I took the spring break and I drove to a park in the desert in Utah and camped and just spent a couple of days in solitude. I remember sitting up on top of a rock formation, the wind whistling through me, looking into the, the distance with almost no haze and feeling the immensity of nature. But at the same time, at the same time, I was not able to sit still for long. I always felt like I had to be doing something and be doing something more. I had to be going to one more place, seeing one more thing. And if I look back and even now, that's, that's a pattern that I think inhibits my ability to, to be with my higher power, to sit still in meditation, for example. But it does, it does say to me that I have been seeking all my life. Well, what did you have to say? Mark wrote, Okay, it's a small thing, so maybe more of a smartphone pop-up spiritual reminder than a full-blown spiritual awakening. I volunteered to chair the meeting at my Al-Anon home group this week. I also do some light service work by assisting in maintaining our stock of conference-approved literature, and we are doing an inventory so that we can replenish the books and pamphlets which are available to anyone, but particularly newcomers, to borrow or purchase. The point is, I'm particularly aware of the books we have on hand and those we need to reorder from Al-Anon Information Services. At any rate, as happens, I was unsure and uninspired about which topic to choose for the meeting. And as also happens, the concept of spiritual awakening just sort of bubbled up in my mind over the weekend. Not the whole twelfth step, which includes this concept along with other things, but what that specific term meant, what I thought about it, and whether or how that might have changed over the course of my time in the program. I have the three Al-Anon daily readers at home. I have the three Al-Anon daily readers at home, one day at a time, courage to change and hope for today. And I take a quick look and choose page 316 in Hope for Today, which turns up in the index under the Spiritual Awakening entry. Yesterday, the morning of the day when I am to chair the evening meeting, I was thinking about the topic as I commuted to work. And it became clear to me that spiritual awakening was a lousy topic. Not that the idea of such a thing is bad, of course, but that it is the wrong topic for a weekly men's group Al-Anon meeting. Too esoteric, ethereal, not enough meat on the bone, not one of what I think of as the action concept of Al-Anon. 
My thoughts about it were all over the place. I drift from spiritual awakening to the 12-step proper and to the the carry-the-message aspect, and I feel keenly my own inadequacy in being a vehicle for attraction to the program. I come to expect that the night's meeting will be stilted and filled with prolonged and awkward silences. Last night, I pull into the church parking lot and can see at a glance that no one is there yet, even as it is getting close to the 8 p.m. meeting time. So I go up and turn on the lights and get the meeting materials out of the locker, which is a service that one of the other members usually does, and I bring the boxes of books out onto the table. I open the first box, and there, sitting on top of the pile, is a large book, which covers and obscures all the books and pamphlets below it. And it is an old book, but one that I have never seen before. And its title leaps out at me, as if it were printed in some sort of virtual expanding 3D letters. Having had a spiritual awakening. Maybe that's not exactly The Shining, but it was an old hardcover book that somehow materialized in our boxes during the week between meetings. I think the print version is actually out of print. You can only get the ebook versions through Alanon. I had just gone through our books and I hadn't seen it. And then, to pile on, I find that I left my copy of Hope for Today home. But not to worry, because we keep a couple of copies of that book in stock for use during meetings. Only, last night, they seem to have vanished. I was a little spooked, but I'm nothing if not stubborn. So instead of doing the obvious and just using having had a spiritual awakening for the night's reading, I pick up courage to change, go to the index, and turn to the last page listed in the index under the spiritual awakening entry and turn to it. And that page is the only page in that volume that is already dog-eared. You had to be there, and I can't make it up. When it came time for me to do the lead, I briefly share this story and a friend says, There are no coincidences. That's just your higher power showing off. The room filled to the usual degree. I relented and accepted and used a reading from having had a spiritual awakening, and it all went fine. After the meeting, I tuned into this week's The Recovery Show podcast episode as I drove home from the meeting, and the host mentioned at the close of looking for feedback on spiritual awakening for an upcoming episode. One of the things that I took from all this is to stop churning over what a spiritual awakening is and how to get it and just keep coming back, keep being open, keep working, and don't hit the snooze button when the next reminder pops up. Mark. Thank you for that, Mark. It's a a great share. April says, hello. My name is April. I'm a grateful Al-Anon member. I love listening to your podcast in the morning as I'm getting myself ready for the day. After my quiet time of reading, meditation, and prayer, your podcast comes next, and as I shower and have breakfast. Thank you so much. The last two mornings I've been listening to, grief can be a wonderful thing. And something was also said about asking your audience to contribute and share on the topic of spiritual awakenings. And just as a reminder, that episode, Grief Can Be a Wonderful Thing, is my conversation with Lynn, which is episode 293, which you can find at therecovery.show slash 293. April continues, My spiritual awakening came directly through a time of grief for me. I had been in Al-Anon for several years before my true awakening. In fact, I couldn't get beyond step one. I had no problem seeing that my life had become unmanageable. That one was easy. But I couldn't find or identify my higher power. It wasn't for lack of trying. I wanted it more than anything. In fact, I searched high and low, read every book I could find on religion and spirituality, attended many different churches, asked others about their higher power. Nothing seemed to fit, but I kept coming back. And I'm so glad I did. I was 28 years old, and I'll never forget the day, even though it was 27 years ago now. One of my younger brothers, an active alcoholic, committed suicide, and I honestly felt I was never going to be okay again. My grief was so deep, 
and so dark it was hard to function, so very hard. It was there I found my higher power. As I quietly asked, I quietly received, and it's absolutely impossible for me to put into words just how beautiful and magnificent this moment was. There just aren't any words to describe it, but it was at this moment my life was forever changed for the better. I'm so grateful for the hope and the help that Al-Anon offers, and for the tools to live a life I would never have known without the steps, the love, and the acceptance. Thank you again for your podcast, April in California. Well, thank you, April. Bet or Betty, I'm not sure, shares, Years ago, I worked in Wilton, Connecticut, right off the Merritt Parkway. After working for a while, I found if I took the exit before the one that brought me closest to home, I would avoid the local rush hour traffic and get the added benefit of beautiful backwoods country drive. To this day, I still choose this exit when I drive the parkway. It's a lovely road with beautiful homes and lush landscaping, but it's also a very windy road with many blind curves. I drove it so often, however, that I became complacent. I knew every twist and turn. One rainy day as I was winding my way home once again and going a bit too fast, I admit, one of the scenes from a movie called The Changeling came into my mind, right out of the blue. The scene showed how the main character was driving on a snowy mountain road with his wife and daughter and their car got stuck. The father told them to stay with the car while he walked to the nearby gas station to get help. As he walked away, a truck came around the corner and lost control, crashing into and killing both his wife and daughter. As that scene played in my head, a voice said, slow down. Without hesitation, I did as I was told. I slowed the car way down as I rounded one of the last blind curves on that road. My higher power was with me that day. I managed to stop my car just inches away from broadsiding a landscaping truck that was entering the road from a hidden driveway. I seriously doubt I would be here today if it had not been for that little voice, my higher power. There have been many instances in my life, large and small, in which my higher power made itself known to me. When that little voice pops out of the blue in my head, I try to make sure I pay attention to it. And isn't that true? Isn't that true, Ben? It's so easy to not pay attention to that little voice. I had, I don't know, I had a little bit of trouble, but not really finding music to go with this show. And as you'll see as we go on, that the, the selections are not the usual. The first one is, it's by Carrie Newcomer. The title is If Not Now. It's a song about wondering maybe when things are going to happen and why not now, if not now, if not now, when. And I see that as a metaphor for maybe not recognize a spiritual awakening that's happening, that as I work the program, it happens. And if not now, when? The chorus, I think this is the chorus, says, if not now, tell me when. If not now, tell me when. We may never see this moment or place in time again. If not now, if not now, tell me when. In this section of the podcast, we talk about our lives in recovery. It's happening in our lives and in our meetings this week. And I love whoever it was said, you know, there are no coincidences. It's just your higher power showing off. So I was thinking about doing this episode on spiritual awakening. And I went to my meeting Saturday morning for Saturday of the month. As you know, if you've been listening for a while, we're working our way very slowly through 
the Step 4 Blueprint for Progress book, we're in the spirituality chapter and we hit these three questions. How does my higher power work in my daily life? How does my higher power express love to me? And how do I express love and gratitude to my higher power? Those questions set off, inspired some of the most amazing sharing around the table. And because I don't share outside meetings what was said in meetings, unless it's me who said it, I just will say that we had a deeply spiritual meeting with sharings about our understanding of our higher power, about experiences we had had, about the love we had felt, about gratitude, about dogs. Dog spelled backward is God, right? And I reflected on, and this might have been on my mind because of, of what happened the next, what I knew was coming the next day, That, but I reflected on the day that we lost our beloved dog, Jake, when he fell down the stairs and, and shattered his shoulder in a way that really was not recoverable. And the gratitude that I had felt for the fact that we were there, that we could sit with him, that we found a pet ambulance run by a volunteer who subsists on donations, the the love and care shown by the doctor at the animal emergency room, and the time that we got to spend and to say goodbye peacefully to our beloved pet. I was not unmoved by the end of that share, you might imagine. Because Sunday, we had a visit from a couple of volunteers from a rescue organization to do our our home visit and interview for adopting a new dog. So maybe because I knew that was coming. And then last night I dreamed about our old dog. It was good to have him for a moment. But it's not over because Sunday morning, Sunday morning I walked into church and I picked up the order of service and the second page, which normally talks about the readings and the, 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 the sermon and so on, was completely blank except at the top where it said, Direct Experience of Transcending Mystery and Wonder. And I thought, well, what's happening here? And okay, spiritual experience, spiritual awakening, I guess that's what we're here for. And it was transcending, and it was wonderful. And the blank page was a mystery. And so all that just, oh man, brought me to being ready to do this episode of the podcast. Another little message from my higher power happened sometime this weekend. I was just sort of straightening up my bedside table, and I found a couple of little folded notes. I was like, huh, where did these come from? How did these get here? I mean, I knew where they came from in in the abstract when I would go to weekend conferences with the high school group from my church. One of the traditions at these conferences is everybody makes, decorates a little lunch bag, we call it a mail bag, and then Throughout the weekend, attendees can write little notes and put them in, in the mailbag. We adults are encouraged to participate in all aspects of the conference, and so I always have one. I always get a few notes. And I don't know how these ended up on my bedside table, but there were a couple of them, both of which basically said how much they appreciated what I did, how I worked to connect with the young people at these conferences, which is absolutely a thing that came out of my work in Al-Anon. I would not have found a joy. 
fulfillment in working with our teens if I had not been pulled out of that endless cycle of self-defeating, oh, how's it go? Anger and frustration or something and found a, a place to, to focus a little bit outside of myself. So I, I just picked these up and I read them and it just was a reminder of where I have come to, where I came from, and the gratitude that I have for that. Last night's meeting, we read from we read from Hope for Today, July 7th, uh, to set our topic, which talks about feeling out of control, feeling like a victim, finding choices, self-pity and fear, and the way out through our higher power. I am always held in the care of my higher power, who gives me security and inspiration to act boldly by changing the one thing I can myself. And again, some really, really great sharing around the table. And I was reminded of the way that I, throughout my life, have tried, needed to find my meaning through other people, needing the approval of other people to know that I'm okay, and that working this program of recovery has made that less so. I I won't say it's gone. As we say, progress, not perfection. But it is much less so. I'm much more able to find value in myself than, than through other people. It's still there. I still, I want the approval of somebody and I feel that I'm not getting it. And I feel that it's because they don't like me. Realizing usually later that it totally wasn't about me. It maybe was about them not feeling that I liked them. You know, like it's always about me, but it's not. Right. So it was a good meeting. And we welcome your thoughts. You can join our conversation. You can leave us a voicemail or send us an email with maybe, you know, your your spiritual experience, spiritual awakening that didn't get shared here. Feedback or questions. You can do that by calling and leaving a voicemail. 734-707-8795. You can use the voicemail button on the website to join the conversation directly from your computer. And if you prefer not to use your voice, you can send email to feedback at thevrecovery.show. We'd love to hear from you, share your experience, strength, and hope, or your questions about today's topic of spiritual awakening. And if you have a topic you'd like us to talk about, let us know. Our website is therecovery.show. All the information about the show is there, including a page with all the different contact information. So if you only remember one thing, you can remember therecovery.show slash contact. Click or tap on the contact link in the menu at the top of the page. Videos for the the music that we talk about, links to the various books and readings, also available on the website at therecovery.show slash 296 for this episode. During our service yesterday, there were three videos of, they. I think they were meant to inspire a meditative experience, a direct contact with higher power, perhaps. The first one was just a sequence of slides of outer space, stars and nebulas and galaxies with accompaniment from our pianist. The second one was a poetry performance by a a duo who go by the name Climbing Poetry. That's P-O-E-T-R-E-E. And the particular one that, that we saw that struck me 
very deeply. It's titled Being Human. I will have a link to that in the show notes. It's the the second part of a two-part performance, and, and the link should take you to the beginning of that poem. Some words from the poem. I wonder if the sun debates dawn some mornings not wanting to rise out of bed from under the down feather horizon. If the sky grows tired of being everywhere at once, adapting to the mood, swings of the weather. If clouds drift off trying to hold themselves together, making deals with gravity to loiter a little longer. The whole poem is just about humanity, about being human, about the the little things that, the little imperfections that make us human and wondering wondering if, if elements of the natural world exhibit these as well. And yeah, it's not directly about spiritual experience, but in, in a way it is, because it's about, I don't know, it's, it's about detaching myself from my humanity and, and seeing it in, in everything around me. And it's sort of a mesmerizing performance as well. Well, several of you wrote in. Sally left a comment on episode 294 titled Spencer and Amy, A Couple in Recovery, which is the, the conversation that my wife and I had with John M. of Sober Speak. Sally says, thank you from the bottom of my heart, Spencer, for this tender and healing podcast. Your words, that the woman you love was still in there, have become pocket change I cling to as I am watching my loved one slowly die from the disease of alcoholism. Your words came exactly when I needed to hear them. They helped me remember and hold on to my heart of compassion and the deep love I still feel for my loved one, even on the worst and most painful days when I can no longer see any vestiges of who she used to be on the outside. I fiercely miss her, and leaning on the help of the God of my understanding, my sponsor, my Al-Anon family of friends, and the years of cherished memories, I will be able to walk this difficult walk. Blessings and much love to both you and Amy. Sally R. in Northern California. Sally, thank you for writing. My prayers are with you that you were able to walk this difficult walk. Betty also commented on that episode very briefly. She writes, humble courage, kudos, and serenity to you both. And Wes also wrote, listening to this, So many thoughts running through my head as it relates to me and my family. I'm just shy of six months sober, and your story on this episode gives me hope for me and my family. Thanks. Janie K. sent a note. Greetings to you, Spencer. Janie K. here in the U.S. I've been in Al-Anon for nine years now, and I decided to work the steps with my sponsor back in 2011 or 12 for sure. November 2017, I finished the steps. Started the traditions after a bit of a break. I discovered that not many wanted to sponsor. Traditions do not seem to spark a need in my Al-Anon friends and family, so it took more asking. Finally, I asked my step sponsor to help me, and she even did not have the experience, so we are working them together. I decided to start the concepts as well. It took over a year to find just the right person to partner with. She and I are so well suited. I find few Al-Anon members in my home sweet home group have interest in really being interested in the traditions and concepts. I know it is up to each of us. I am determined to complete all three of these legacies. I do want to thank you for all you're doing to keep this recovery show going. I would like to say I love the music. I'm a singer, and I hope it is okay to mention that my husband is a musician as well. Episode 75 was wonderful. 
Thank you. Merci. Gracias. Danke. JK. Together, we are going to make it. Elanon Alatine. So episode 75 that, that Janie refers to is the one on Tradition 6. Uh, tradition 6 being, our family groups that never endorse, finance, or lend our name to any outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary spiritual aim. Although a separate entity, we should always cooperate with Alcoholics Anonymous. Well, Janie, it's, it's, I think it's great that you're studying the traditions. I have a, a sponsee who's also really um, interested in the traditions and the concepts of service. This particular sponsee is a double winner. And in our last conversation, he said, you know, I, I'm supposed to do a lead on the concepts at, at this AA meeting. And the only place the concepts are mentioned in the AA literature is in, apparently in their service manual. They don't have... Um, the benefit of, of literature like we have, like paths to recovery and reaching for personal freedom that let us explore those concepts more deeply for ourselves and our personal lives. So I, I applaud you for, for studying them. And what I have found, and maybe you can bring this somehow into, into your group, I don't know, that the book Reaching for Personal Freedom really helps to open up the applications of the traditions and concepts to my life and make them a lot more accessible. So just a thought for you there. Thanks for writing, Janie. Ashley responds to a listener question. Hi, Spencer. I was listening to episode 279, and there was a listener who was looking for a reading on the comparison of the alcoholic's obsession and the Al-Anon obsession. I'm not sure if you had someone already respond with help to his questions, as that was a few months ago now. If not, it can be found in the Al-Anon service manual, pages 23 to 25. At least, I feel like this is what he may be referring to. Sincerely, Ashley from Alberta. And I was curious, I had to go look it up in the Al-Anon service manual, which I do have an old copy of. And the 23 to 25 is titled Understanding Ourselves. And it talks about the ways in which those of us who love an alcoholic, our behavior basically gets out of hand. So a paragraph uh, near the top of page 24 in, in my copy, which is from 1995 to 1996, but it apparently hasn't moved much. These well-meaning people begin to count the number of drinks another person is having. They pour expensive liquor down drains, search the house for hidden bottles, listen for the sound of opening cans. All their thinking is directed at what the alcoholic is doing or not doing and how to get the drinker to stop drinking. This is their obsession. And I had that. I definitely had that. Maybe that's helpful to our listener who asked the question. Erica sent some thanks. Dear Recovery Show friends, I haven't written you before because you are on episode 294 and I am on episode 16, but finally I felt I must. I've been in Al-Anon for almost eight months and found your podcast in March. It has been such a blessing. It has helped me a great deal. And even though I am luckily in an area with many meetings, I consider it an integral part of my ongoing recovery. I have told many friends about it. It is such a labor of love for you to give this gift to all of us out here. Thank you, Erica. And thank you for writing, Erica. And Hannah says, Spencer, I don't know where I would be without the recovery show. I started listening when I was, shall we call it, auditing Al-Anon meetings. Then, as I started to go regularly, but only once a week, your podcast was my oxygen in the days between. Eventually, I came to seek relief in Al-Anon as the center of my life and increased my meeting attendance, got a sponsor, and began working the steps. It gets better every day, and I can't thank you enough for the immense service you provide. With love, Hannah in L.A. 
Well, thank you, Hannah, and I'm glad to hear that that you have really brought Elanon into your life. I know it worked miracles in mine. I'm going to say thank you for your support in whatever form you give it, whether it's monetarily like Catherine, Patricia, Hannah, and Lucretia did, or sharing the podcast with your friends. Simply direct them to therecovery.show or just listening. We are here for you. And the third music selection that I chose is another video that was shown in the service yesterday. I think this requires a little bit of background. So you may have heard the term whirling dervish and not really understood what it was about. I didn't really. It's a practice from a particular branch, I guess, of of Islam where they have a dance which involves a lot of whirling around. The dance is called the Sama. And Wikipedia says the Sama represents a mystical journey of man's spiritual ascent through mind and love to perfection. Turning towards the truth, the follower grows through love, deserts his ego, finds the truth, and arrives at perfection. He then returns from this spiritual journey as a man who has reached maturity and a greater perfection so as to love and to be of service to the whole of creation. Sama is a means of meditating on God through focusing on melodies and dancing. It brings out a person's love of God, purifies the soul, and is a way of finding God. So that's that's a little bit of what Wikipedia had to say about this dance. And when it was introduced to us, it was a couple more pieces of information that I didn't find in Wikipedia. The one that struck me was that the dancer's clothing apparently is intended to represent his ego. And so through the dance, some pieces of clothing are discarded as the dancer gets closer to God and, and loses loses his ego, I guess, as the the Wikipedia description said that. And for those of us who have a lot of trouble sitting still and meditating, I watch this and I think, you know, that would be an awesome way to to lose myself in a spiritual experience. Except I'm sure it takes some practice because I would get dizzy and fall down. So I hope you enjoy that video. I sure did. Thank you for listening, and please keep coming back. And as my friend John says, when I say please keep coming back, I mean not not only to the podcast, but also to your program of recovery. Whatever your problems, there are those among us who have had them too. If we did not talk about a problem you are facing today, feel free to contact us so we can talk about it in a future episode. May understanding, love, and peace grow in you one day at a time. <laughs>